with the first pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Cincinnati Bengals select. Welcome to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and we have a special episode for you today. As we have our 2020 He's Done It NFL Mock Draft. I'm joined by my usual co-hosts, Benjamin Carlson and Brian Wells, along with a special guest co-host, my brother Cameron Novotny. Cam, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So the four of us all got together and simulated the first round of the 2020 NFL Draft. We each had two divisions, so eight teams each. Some teams don't have a first round pick. Others have more than one. Uh, So we were able to break it down where we each at least started with eight total picks. So Brian, why don't you get started with the divisions that we have? Yeah, so the divisions that I represented were the AFC North and the AFC West. I made picks for the NFC East and the NFC West. I made these selections for the NFC North and the NFC South. I drafted for the AFC East and the AFC South. So uh, with that, Brian... And the Cincinnati Bengals uh, were the number one overall team officially on the clock. So, Brian, how about you get us started and talk about your number one selection? Yeah, so for the number one selection uh, representing the Cincinnati Bengals, I decided to take Heisman Trophy winner and national championship LSU quarterback Joe Burrow. And I felt like this was a pretty easy decision. I think it's time to turn the turn the page from Andy Dalton and have Joe Burrow become the guy. And I felt like this is a really easy decision. And I think not only is he the best quarterback in the draft, but also the best player. So Joe Burrow was my decision as the number one overall pick. And he's also the Tiger King going from the LSU Tigers to the Cincinnati Bengals. He's all about That's big right. cats. Yeah, no surprises with Brian's first overall pick. So, Ben, you're a second overall pick. Any surprises there? Um, well, let's see. For the Redskins with a second overall pick, I selected Chase Young, uh, edge rusher, a defensive lineman out of Ohio State. And this is similar to the Burrow pick. It's very obvious. I think it's you take a generational player when you have the opportunity to. Chase Young looks amazing, um, and he's going to be – um, a bright spot, I think, on a a team that I do not think is run very well, but I think that even they're not incompetent enough to miss on this one and take uh, Chase Young number two. Yeah, so Brian has Burrow as his number one overall player, but I, I think Chase Young is the best player in this draft. Uh, 
you know, I know that there are rumors that the Redskins may be interested in taking a quarterback a year after drafting Dwayne Haskins, but I don't think they should overthink this and go with what Ben did, take Chase Young. Yeah, I I don't think I mean they also brought in Kyle Allen. Like what what kind of a mess would it be to bring in a third guy? I think uh Chase Young is a lot like Nick Bosa was um a year ago where he might not be the first guy who comes off the board, but a lot of people consider him to be just the best talent. Um, and it, it's at an important position. If you don't need a quarterback, then getting a pass rusher um, is at a premium for sure. All right. So with the third pick, uh, we move on to the Detroit Lions. Joe Burrow and Chase Young were the first two off the board, like I expected. So at number three, I had the option of taking one of the top defensive players after Chase Young. But there is an obvious understanding that there are other teams in varying levels of desperate need for a quarterback. And because of that, I entertained some trade offers from the Miami Dolphins and the Los Angeles Chargers. And in the end, I reached an agreement with the Dolphins. Uh, They gave up the 39th pick in the second round, as well as the 70th pick in the third round. Uh, as part of that, I also had to exchange or back my fourth round pick, but uh, ultimately I got a deal that I think benefits the Lions while only moving back a couple spots to be able to make more picks on day two. So with that, drafting for the Miami Dolphins now at number three, Cam, explain your reason for this trade and the guy you took. So this was a pick that I think I could have easily held at and taken at five either Herbert or Tua, but it feels like I had to get to three, especially the Chargers. It was rumored that the Chargers had made an offer to move up to three with intentions of taking Tua. So it was kind of a forced hand type thing where we moved up to number three. We took Tua, but we got the guy. I mean, you don't have the slogan tank for Tua. It existed for a reason. He's an unreal talent, extremely accurate thrower. He's just help he will really help this organization that has not been very good for a while they're a team that i honestly they they have the first first pick and i would argue that they overachieved this season do you worry about the injury concerns he's had in college i do but you know i'm i'm a guy who i wasn't totally concerned with him because he had the time to recover and seeing the videos of him performing he looked like he was throwing well he didn't he doesn't look injured it's hard to tell without a pro day that's I think that's a huge thing for him that's a really big problem with coronavirus but you know I think I think he's worth the risk yeah I agree I think injuries are definitely a concern here but with Ryan Fitzpatrick as the incumbent at quarterback he's obviously not the long-term answer but he was very good for a very bad Dolphins team last year. So I don't think that there is a pressure to get to a tag of Aloha on the field, especially because uh, Miami's future looks really bright. There's no reason to rush things in 2020 when you have uh, 2021 and beyond waiting for you. So I think that was an excellent pick by Cam. Also, I missed the 154th pick, the Dolphins' fifth rounder, also going to the Lions in that trade. I, I was wondering that, but I didn't want to make myself seem like I got hosed if I, <laughs> yeah. if I thought that it went that way. Plus, uh, I want to mention, if there's no 2020 season, he gets an extra year to recover, so that's even better. Absolutely. Of course, I'd love there to be a season. I'll be very upset if there's not. I think we all will. So. Yeah. Okay, so that brings us to the fourth pick, which um, I 
uh, representing the New York Giants, the New York football Giants, um, I went ahead and drafted um, Jeffrey Okuda, cornerback, um, also out of Ohio State. So another Ohio State guy coming off the board early. And honestly, if they're, I think if the Detroit Lions stay put, this I think maybe this is their guy, um, Jeffrey Okuda. The next in line on like the elite Ohio State cornerback uh, like pipeline into the NFL, uh, and I think he has a good chance to improve this New York Giants defense. Again, it's just they have to improve a lot on that side of the ball, and I think this is a good place to start. Yeah, if uh, the Lions had kept the third pick, they would have drafted Okuda there. It was a little bit of a surprise, but... I did have a contingency plan because I did think there was a chance Okuda could go to the Giants there. So with the fifth pick, the Lions, sticking on defense, went with Isaiah Simmons, Clemson linebacker, who I believe, you know, even if he's maybe not as a can't-miss prospect like Chase Young, he's just as close as you can be for this class. Detroit's defense needs a lot of help. You got Matt Pertich. Patricia is your head coach. We know how much success he had in New England. He's been bringing in a ton of guys. And Simmons, he's a young talent who can immediately step up and potentially be a star in Detroit for a long time to come. So I think that the Lions are pretty okay getting Simmons as well as a couple extra day two picks uh, instead of Okuda. Yeah, he's... I'm. I mean, he was my contingency plan for the Giants. Should Okuda not be on the board, um, like you said, he's he might not be as sure thing or like um, you know, a, uh, like the best at one particular thing. But he's so versatile. There's I. There are rarely ca- uh, players that come out in the draft like Isaiah Simmons who line up all over the field. And I can't wait to see how he's utilized in the NFL. I hope whatever defensive coordinator or well in this case, um, Matt Patricia, like what he ends up being, how he ends up being utilized. He's such an interesting player. His position is listed as linebacker, but he should just be defense. The guy is, <laughs> he can just play anywhere on the field. It's unbelievable. He played playing defensive end and cornerback in college at different position, different times is unbelievable. Yep. All right. So for the number six overall pick, uh, I had the Los Angeles Chargers taking quarterback Justin Herbert out of Oregon. And it's kind of the same thing with the Bengals, but with a different guy. They no longer have uh, Phillip Rivers for the first time in basically forever. He's now with the Colts, and they desperately need a quarterback unless if they want to use Tyrod Taylor as their starter for next season. And I think Justin Herbert could possibly be a great quarterback in the league and I think he's worth the choice at number six so I went with Justin Herbert there did you have Herbert above Tua on your board yes because I guess I'm the one that worries the most about Tua's injuries more than anyone Uh, and so for that that simple reason I I think Herbert is the safe safer pick but who has more upside probably Tua so I, I think that Herbert to Los Angeles is a great choice there. Trading up to number three wasn't necessarily something LA needed to do to get Herbert, um, but that that seems like a, a pretty solid quarterback choice there. I do think that Tyrod Taylor is capable of handling things for now, but Herbert as the the long term answer in LA seems like a, another thing a great I'd option. like to mention about this pick. If Isaiah Simmons, if you didn't take Isaiah Simmons at five, 
uh, I seriously would have considered taking him and then um, for the Chargers, I guess their QB plan would be to just sign Cam Newton or some other free agent or Win- Jameis Winston and just find another g- the guy next season. And if, if especially if they were bad this upcoming season, if there is one, they could have the number one pick in Trevor Lawrence um, and just have a tank year this season. I was going to say, let... If you let Jameis Winston take control of what Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Hunter Henry, that's not too bad, I don't think. That team last year, I was really surprised they did as poorly as they did. They they have a really good roster. It, it was extremely surprising. And then they went and get got Trey Turner, so they have a great offensive line. They, I think they are a, they are a quarterback away to me. They also got Brian Bulaga as well to um, yeah, help on the right point. side. That's a good point. Uh, at right tackle so that could be a sign that in the real draft they take Tua to protect the his blind side that's true all right so with the seventh pick the Carolina Panthers went ahead and took Derek Brown defensive lineman from Auburn uh, so I might get some heat for not taking South Carolina defensive lineman Javon Kinlaw with this pick but I believe that Derek Brown, uh, all bias aside, is the best defensive lineman prospects in this draft. The Panthers lost a couple key pieces on their defensive line and free agency, including Mario Addison and Gerald McCoy. And when you're new coach Matt Rule, you have a big seven-year contract. You have time to go ahead and try to develop some guys. And Derek Brown seems like a, a solid option to put in that the middle of that Panthers uh, defensive line and you know, start building a team that can compete in the near future you also have the eighth pick uh well uh, so i had the eighth pick as the arizona cardinals and um preparing for the draft for the cardinals was pretty simple the cardinals wanted to improve their offensive line I mean, there's various needs on the team, but that was definitely something they wanted to do. And this draft class has a lot of first round talent at the offensive tackle position. So seeing that none of them had come off the board at this point, the Cardinals being controlled by me were entertaining trade offers and we got one. It was offered to us by the Buccaneers and... I'm going to read off exactly what that was. So the Buccaneers, in exchange for the the Cardinals' eighth overall pick um, and the Cardinals' 131st overall pick, which is a what round, Corey? Fourth round. Fourth round. So in exchange for those, the Buccaneers uh, offered the 14th overall pick, the 45th, which is a second rounder, and the 161st, which is... Fifth round. Fifth round, right. And... Going into this with their, you know, the picks they came into, the Cardinals didn't pick again until the third round. So by doing this trade, the Cardinals only move back a little bit and end up with an extra pick uh, in, the, or well, with a second round pick, which they didn't have before, and that pushed us back to the 14th pick uh, is when the Cardinals will actually make their first round pick. So I'll hand it off to Corey, who was in charge of the Buccaneers. Yep, and for the Bucks, I went into this saying that the goal was to get an offensive lineman. They just signed quarterback Tom Brady. He's going to be 43 years old this season. They need to protect him, keep him upright to be able to maximize his value. And 
for the Bucks, I was in a position where I could make a move to take the number one offensive lineman on my board. And while it cost me a second round pick, I think in the end it was worth it to be able to get that guy rather than risk others starting to come off uh, from other teams in front of me. And the guy that I chose was Tristan Wirfs, offensive tackle from Iowa. Uh, I think he's a guy who can come in right away, be that starting left tackle for Tom Brady. Uh, the Bucks certainly have a little bit of a hole in their offensive line. So to me, he's a huge upgrade right away. And Wirfs is the kind of guy who can protect Brady in the now and ultimately in the future, whoever the next quarterback is when Brady finally hangs it up. That was one that I found interesting because I think that to me, Mekhi Becton is the best offensive lineman available. I, I really like him. You see, you see highlights of him just bullying grown men. He's throwing them five yards back off the line of scrimmage. It's incredible. But in this situation, Wirfs is just such a good, he's such a good pass protector. I think this is the right fit for Tom Brady. So I liked that pick. Yeah, to me, it, it, I I went into this uh, fully believing that Worse was my number one guy, but there really are four really great offensive linemen here that you could go with. And um, you know, the Bucks maybe could have gotten someone at fourteen, but this way they were able to get up, get their guy, and not risk losing him and potentially others by waiting. Yep, I agree. So uh, I had the next pick. It was pick number nine for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this was one that I tried to trade out of because I think the Jaguars are, they have so many holes on their roster that I think they would benefit from, you know, moving eight to 10 spots back and adding some extra picks just to fill more holes on that roster. But we couldn't find a trade suitor. Maybe in real life, they have better luck than I did. I'm not a GM, but (laughs) um, we ended up selecting Jerry Judy, who he was the best available to me. I, I mean, a lot of people have been between him and CeeDee Lamb is the one that I've been seeing a lot as the best wide receiver, but I, I love Jerry Judy. I mean, 1,300 yards in 2019, 1,100, or 1,300 in 2018, sorry, 1,100 in 2019. Uh, he actually went up in catches in 2019, but he went down in yards and touchdowns. But he's still, he is so good. And he gets to play along DJ Chark. And if Gardner Minshew, Minshew Mania, if he's the guy, he can bring the magic. Maybe he, uh, you know, gets him a few wins. I don't see them making the playoffs anytime soon, but a few years down the road, he is a great piece to have. Him and Chark, that's that's a great combo. Yeah, so for the number 10th pick uh, with the Cleveland Browns, uh, I took Makai Becton, which uh, Cam mentioned just a little while ago. Uh, I think the Browns really need a, a future franchise left tackle. They just signed Jack Conklin uh, at, to, as the right tackle. And I think Beck, Beckton is, in my opinion, he probably has the most upside uh, at, at the tackle position. He's great pass protection. Uh, he has the link to be an elite blindside protector. Uh, the one downside, though, uh, for this pick is that he had a drug he failed a drug test just recently uh, I don't know how much of a concern that is considering that so many players have failed drug tests in the past and sometimes it's no big deal but sometimes it is uh, so that'd be the one downside but I think uh, outside of that it's a great pickup for the Browns who 
definitely need a left tackle. So you're overlooking an even uh, bigger downside from from Akai Becton, and that's uh, that he likes cooking and eating food more than playing football, yes, according sir. to one anonymous scout. <laughs> that's a reason to shy away from the you know six seven three hundred seventy pound monster Makai Becton is his <laughs> love for food. But overall, I mean, I, I think that Becton is a, a pretty solid pick there for Cleveland. They certainly need help on the offensive line. So it's just a matter of which one is avail- available to them at number 10 that they go with. And Becton seemed like the right choice here. His, his Wikipedia does say he's 368 pounds, and that could be that could be a concern. But that could also mean that's <laughs> plenty of size to get to the get to the quarterback. He is a big boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, So I had the next pick with the Jets at 11. And of course, we would have loved to get Mekhi Becton here. I mean, imagine Le'Veon Bell running when there's 10 yards of space on the left side because Becton just threw the outside linebacker all the way down the field. But uh, we ended up taking Jedrick Wills, who, I mean, best tackle available to me. I really liked him here, and I think that you could have gone a couple places here. I think wide receiver would have made a lot of sense, but in the end, I went with the offensive linemen. Those were dwindling, and maybe uh, stop Sam Darnold from seeing ghosts, if that uh, yeah. that joke is still funny. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that was uh, the right place for them to go. I think they have to go offensive line here because... That was just, it was just so tough. You see Le'Veon Bell go from one of the best running backs in the league to he couldn't do anything. Okay, so for the 12th pick, uh, I had the Oakland Raiders taking... Las Vegas Raiders. Las Vegas Raiders. (laughs) That's never... I keep forgetting that, I'm I'm still saying San Diego Chargers uh, as well. You're four years around, it's fine. So I'm never going to get used to that, but... The Houston Oilers. <laughs> so the, the Las Vegas Raiders um, took C.D. Lamb, wide receiver out of Oklahoma. Uh, he, he was the best wide receiver, in my opinion, the best wide receiver uh, available uh, at 12. And to be honest, it's a position for the Raiders that hasn't been very good ever since uh, Amari Cooper left. And all they have on their... Roster right now for receivers is Hunter Renfro and Nelson Aguilar and Tyrell Williams, who are all pretty good receivers, but none of them are game changers. And uh, they definitely need to help out Derek Carr a little bit more on the offensive side of the ball. So I went with CeeDee Lamb as my choice. So I had the next pick um, as the 49ers with a 13th overall pick. And if you've want, if you looked at any mock drafts lately, you've probably seen um, either Jerry Judy or CD Lamb slotted in here, among other things. But uh, that's like a very popular choice with 49ers fans right now. They're really hoping for a wide receiver there. Um, maybe even some other names uh, have gone in there at wide receiver. But personally, I think if Jerry Judy um, and CD Lamb are not available, then the 49ers should go with a different position because there are other positions of need, including um, a dominant three technique to a slot in where DeForest Buckner used to be on the D-line. And with the 13th overall pick, the 49ers take Javon Kinlaw, defensive lineman out of South Carolina. So 
this makes me like the opportunity to make this pick i think makes me happy for two reasons first off because i think it fills a legitimate need for this 49ers d-line and second off because i love when uh gamecocks join the 49ers uh debo samuel uh you know gave a lot of people hope in uh the, what the 49ers can do with Gamecocks last season. And I'd love to see them do it again, uh, but this time with uh, Javon Kinlaw. He won't be Buckner, but he will help to transition this defensive line um, that has a lot of talent on it. So one Gamecock passes on Kinlaw, but the other one comes through and snags him to his own team. Uh, <laughs> Kinlaw, to me, is, is going to be a fantastic NFL prospect, and uh, he's someone who goes to San Francisco in this scenario on a defensive line that's already pretty loaded. You know, we mentioned Nick Bosa last year. You also have a veteran in D Ford and then your friend, literal friend, DJ Jones, uh, who is uh, starting uh, at the other defensive tackle position for the Niners now, correct? So so people like get confused about defensive tackles. There's two main roles for defensive tackles. There's the like one technique or the nose tackle, which the they're generally sh- they're run stoppers. They're usually not in on obvious passing downs and they're usually eating up double team blocks and causing a lot of havoc. Um, and then you have three technique defensive linemen who are more versatile and can sometimes be involved more in the uh, passing game. If you saw like a lot of people think that DJ Jones is going to slot in and replace DeForest Buckner because DJ Jones had a pretty good year last year. But the problem is most of his snaps he was lined up next to DeForest Buckner playing a different position. There is, they're not the same player type. So the 49ers do have a need, despite already having a pretty good uh, player in DJ Jones. Um, another name we have to mention about that D-line is Eric, Eric Armstead, Armstead yep. the, uh, the player who the 49ers decided to pay um, instead of Buckner. And um, I think that Kinlaw would fit right in with all of those guys. Yeah, be able to pick up right where Buckner left off on that uh, Super Bowl team last year. So um, definitely a fantastic pick, and I would love it if Kinlaw goes to the 49ers. That defense is just unbelievable already. Yeah. Yeah. All these names you just throw, it's unreal. And they're bringing back 10 of the 11 starters on that defense, and the one that, you know, that one uh, starter that's not there anymore, obviously Buckner. It would be great to replace him with a first rounder okay i also have the next pick the 14th overall pick which was originally the buccaneers uh pick which we talked about that trade earlier and at this point i breathed a sigh of relief because the arizona cardinals were still going to be able to take what i consider to be a top tier um offensive line talent um when i made the trade out of eight i I don't know if the cardinals would actually take that pick in real life um i was looking to get maximum value and i think it paid off uh because with the 14th pick i selected um, andrew thomas offensive lineman out of georgia Uh, definitely a plug-and-place starter in the nfl he was great for georgia while he was there on some very good bulldogs teams and I breathed a big old sigh of relief that the Cardinals were still able to get a guy. Um, not my number one tackle, but definitely top four. And yeah. they were uh, lucky to be able to still get him here. Felt shaky about this, but I think the Cardinals have come out on top, um, especially if they're able to utilize that second round pick um, well. If they can get somebody good at second round, it can really make this pick worthwhile or that trade worthwhile. Yeah, and I think at this point, 
for the Cardinals if there was a possibility of taking Andrew Thomas potentially at eight, getting him at 14, and also picking up a second-round pick makes that a, a huge win for Arizona. Another big win for them this offseason. They've certainly had a few. They have that luxury um, of maybe gambling a little bit because they've been gifted DeAndre Hopkins. Um, also, just, I mean, it's worth mentioning for any of the guys that this applies to, but especially Andrew Thomas. He's an SEC guy, mm-hmm. uh, so you know that he's going to be tough enough to survive uh, in the NFC West. Yeah, and I, I love the uh, the combination of names from these top four offensive linemen with Mackay Becton, Tristan Wirfs, Jedrick Wills Jr., and then Andrew Thomas, just like this generic <laughs> name with these other three guys. It's, it's like a like a cartoon, like the Pac-Man character. It's, it's just like the one guy's not like the other. All four, all four of those guys have, uh, the mock drafts that I've looked at, all four of those guys have been as high as number four to the Giants and then as low as like late first round, mid, mid to late first round, which is just absurd. With it, it is interesting that if the Giants don't go offensive line how much it shifts the draft because less team it it just pushes everything back it's interesting yeah that's that's definitely something that we notice and uh, teams found themselves in different positions when it came to drafting offensive linemen because of that i would say that the was it the cardinals i would say the cardinals don't trade down if the giants take a lineman at four i just I don't think it ends up working out that way because yeah. of who it ends up being available. Right. I mean, I, I'm even I'm open to the possibility of the Cardinals not even if they get a great offer, just taking their guy because that's who they want. Um, I I do. It is definitely a caveat or like an asterisk next to the saying like I'm kind of you know flying by the seat of my pants here, trying to get maximum value, and I think it paid off in this situation. I do too. I don't necessarily regret the Bucks going up to to get worse, but. Um, I do think it, it worked out well for Arizona. For Arizona, I also wonder what they would do at this spot if they didn't make the DeAndre Hopkins trade. Because with take out Hopkins off the Cardinals, the wide receiver position for them isn't the greatest. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald is very close to retirement, and Christian Kirk is pretty good, but then it's kind of a big drop-off after them. Uh, so I wonder if they didn't make the Hopkins trade would they be going one one of those top receivers or would they be going with one of the tackles? Well, lucky for them, uh, Bill O'Brien gifted them Hopkins and they don't need to actually wonder <laughs> I, about that. I think the night. most ridiculous thing is that they got DeAndre Hopkins and still have this pick. That is... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> I'll move should, on have been, should have been your Texans drafting there. Y- yep. Uh, no, no. They were... Oh, yeah, yeah, they should have got that pick. No, they shouldn't have made the trade at all, but I do see what you're saying. Okay. All right, so for the 15th overall pick, I had the Denver Broncos uh, taking C.J. Henderson, cornerback out of Florida. And when I look at this Broncos team, I think I think cornerback is their biggest need uh, right now. Uh, they lost Chris Harris in free agency, uh, and they did pick up A.J. Boye, but... His best years uh, were definitely with the Texans and the Jaguars. Uh, so I don't know how much of an upgrade it is having A.J. Boye on their team. So I think cornerback, they really need to really need to find the guy. And I think C.J. Henderson uh, will certainly help the Broncos defense. So I went with C.J. Henderson as uh, my choice at 15th overall. 
There are actually some scouts who consider Henderson to be the number one corner in this draft ahead of Jeff Okuda because he's considered to be the most pro-ready right now. And given the uncertainty of this offseason, I think that could be really helpful, um, having a guy who is considered pro-ready like that to be able to step in and contribute right away. And I would say I love that pick to the Broncos, but I had a few strategies going into this draft, and one of them was the goal of the Falcons getting C.J. Henderson, and I thought I'd have to trade up to get him, and it was clear that I couldn't just wait at 16. Um, Unfortunately, I thought it would take too much to get up to number nine with Jacksonville, and then everyone after that was pretty content on keeping their pick, weren't really entertaining offers to a full extent. So at 16, I didn't have my top guy, so I figured, all right, let's try to add some value later in the draft. And I moved back just a few spots to number 19 with the Las Vegas Raiders. But as part of that, the Falcons also pick up the 80th pick, which is in the third round. So uh, only moving back a few spots, but still get a solid day two pick out of it. And so I traded up. Uh, with the Las Vegas Raiders uh, to get the 16th overall pick. And with the 16th overall pick, uh, I chose uh, Christian Fulton, cornerback out of LSU. Uh, I think wide receiver is their biggest need for the Raiders, but I think their second biggest need would be cornerback. Uh, I think having starting the season with DJ Hayden and Rashawn Melvin as their starting cornerbacks would be a disaster. And so I... I felt like I needed to trade up uh, with that pick. Maybe I didn't after looking at who was chosen uh, with those next few picks, but I felt like uh, Okuda, Henderson, and Fulton were the clearing away the best uh, cornerbacks in this draft. I think it's kind of a drop-off after those three, so I felt like I needed to trade up a few more spots to, to get him. So I went with Christian Fulton at 16 for the Raiders. So I I think that, you know, Fulton here was a pretty solid pick. Um, the Falcons were kind of considering him as a backup to Henderson, but ultimately decided they would rather um, move back than take him. Uh, but I, I do think getting another another strong corner there, as well as a wide receiver, is a pretty solid first round for Vegas. All right, I had the next pick, which was the 17th overall for the Dallas Cowboys. And this is actually a guy I had on my list um, pretty high, so I was happy that he was still here at this point. At this point, um, with the 17th overall pick, I took Kaylevon Chasen out of LSU, a very productive um, pass rusher um, and um, run stopper at LSU championship team. And he uh, will fit nicely as a compliment to Demarcus Lawrence in Dallas with a uh, defense that has struggled to produce sacks. So hopefully he can get in there and boost their numbers. And um, I think he's a great value here at 17. Yeah, I, uh, you know, as, as part of the rationale behind the Falcons trading back three spots is that I, I thought that Chasen would still be there at 19. So that, that was another <laughs> another miss for Atlanta. I think I think Chasen yeah. is a pretty solid pick there for Dallas. So um, definitely helps improve that defense, especially after, you know, Robert Quinn losing him in free agency. It, it certainly opens up a spot for him. Chasen was a guy that I had looked at on. I was looking into trading up with a number of teams, but we just didn't have the capital to do so. But he is just, he's a really good player. Definitely the next best pass rusher behind, um, obviously, Chase Young. 
So I had the next pick with the Dolphins at 18, and we decided to trade out of this pick because we wanted to go defense. The Our, our best player available was actually an offensive player, but we wanted to go defense because that Dolphins defense was just not good. They allowed 31 points per game in 2019, which is just unacceptable. So we traded down to 22 Corey, do you have the details of that trade yep so i i gave up the 22nd pick is the minnesota vikings along with the 89th pick in the third round to move up to 18 so yeah we moved down a few picks to get and added a third rounder which was also important after giving up a third rounder to detroit to get to a that's true yep and uh for me before the draft started as the Vikings de facto GM, I offered Brian as the Browns de facto GM uh, first, a third, and you know a couple more picks to try to get Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, but he wasn't willing to entertain that. I guess you know Andrew Barry doesn't want to to move on from Beckham, have him be that uh, you know first big move of his tenure as GM. But as uh, the draft proceeded, I had the opportunity to give up. A little less than uh, I would have given up for Beckham to get wide receiver Henry Ruggs III from Alabama. I uh, didn't actually expect to see him on the board at 18 here. So Minnesota uh, is willing to part with a third-round pick to be able to move up and get this guy who you know gives Kirk Cousins another weapon, which is definitely important after losing, uh, you know, trading away Stephon Diggs. So the pick they used to or the pick that they received for digs uh turns into another receiver in rugs he's a player where i i was happy i was i'm iffy on the trade he's the one he was really really hard to let go he is so good but i just i felt that they it wasn't enough of a need for what they can do the dolphins it's a good pickup for the vikings not after losing digs oh for yeah sure. great pickup he's some are saying i mean a lot of people are saying lamb or judy but i've seen rugs as the number one wide receiver which is interesting yeah i have as well getting him he, at the 18 he's like part of the big yeah. three mm-hmm. wide receivers yeah i mean he's year. someone who you know the 49ers at 13 could could have definitely chosen there but you know he, he slipped through denver at 15 was another option so when 18 came around and it was available minnesota did what they could to jump on it uh, which is especially important uh, when you look at some of the the teams coming up that could have potentially taken a wide receiver as well um, so at 19 the falcons traded back with the raiders as we mentioned not too long ago um, so I, I wanted CJ Henderson, Caleb on chase was my backup. I got a little thrown off, but I decided to go to a, a, a somewhat different direction when it came to their defense, uh, and take linebacker Patrick queen from LSU. And I was really between queen and Murray, uh, Kenneth Murray, a linebacker from Oklahoma two really solid, uh, linebacker interior linebacker options. Atlanta lost Devondre Campbell, Campbell, their leading tackler in the offseason free agency to Arizona. So Queen is a guy who can come in and step up and be uh, their their new you know, potential day one starter in the middle of that defense, line up next to Deion Jones, and you know help that Falcons defense uh, really improve. It's, it's certainly something that they need. Health will be a big factor for Atlanta, as it seems to always be the past few seasons on that defensive side of the ball. Uh, but I think that you know getting Patrick Queen is a, a solid fit here, a uh, great choice for Atlanta. 
So I had pick 20 for the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is another spot where I wouldn't be surprised if they traded out to add a few, you know, move down a few spots and add some picks just to help this roster. But I didn't end up doing that. We didn't find any trades. So I ended up selecting Kenneth Murray, the linebacker. And he is just, he was the best available to me here. He has all the combine stats. He has a 4-5-40 time. And he, in 2019, had 17 tackles for loss, four sacks, and four pass-up breakups, pass breakups in the same season, which really shows the versatility of him. I, I like I like that he's versatile in this Jaguars defense that really, ha- they're rebuilding. They don't have much of an identity. I think that versatility was a really big factor in this pick for me. So we went with Kenneth Murray. So uh, with the 21st pick, uh, the Eagles have the 21st pick. I went with T. Higgins, wide receiver out of Clemson. And um, this one, you, you know, there's mixed opinions on T. Higgins as a, um, unfortunately, being on the receiving end of some T. Higgins uh, dominant play. Uh, I think he's a very good wide receiver. Um, he's not one of the big three, but I think he has a lot of uh, a very high upside. He's a big bodied wide receiver and maybe could be the next generation of Eagles wide receiver um, in that Alshon Jeffrey role as a big man. Um, Alshon's not getting any younger and uh, the the Eagles definitely need um, some better pass catchers. So um, seeing that there weren't any more like high value um, offensive linemen um, that I felt were more valuable at this point went ahead and went with a wide receiver, which I think uh, is good for the Eagles. Yeah, I think the Eagles drafting a receiver here was uh, what everyone expected. I think the question was just which receiver to go with. Uh, I was a little surprised by the Higgins pick, but I, I do think that he is a solid choice here for Philly. Uh, definitely helps with one of their biggest needs. I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles in the real draft traded up uh, to get one of the big three receivers. Um, if it wasn't going to be T. Higgins, because I remember talking about this when I cho- selected T. Higgins, it was a little bit of a surprise. Who did you guys think was? I thought Justin instead? Jefferson was uh, the pick. I yeah, was I also well. thinking I was exactly Jefferson. Justin Jefferson. That he was the other. It was between these two, and um, I think for me, it was just um, I'm a little more familiar with T. Higgins, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but um, I think both would be good selections at this point. So I had the next pick uh, with the Dolphins at 22 after the trade with the Vikings. And we decided to select Xavier McKinney, the safety. We He was the guy that we wanted when we made the trade. So this worked out well. To me, I got a third round pick for free because yeah, we were going to take him there anyway. And we took him because the Dolphins, again, they their defense allowed 31 points per game. So now they've added Byron Jones to go along with um, Xavier Howard, who are two phenomenal corners, and now they get Xavier McKinney to play safety, which should help a lot. That's There were a few places I could have gone on defense, but I, I really like McKinney. And they have plenty of picks, but we added an extra third, which I think they could use that if they want to trade into the second, get whoever they want, or they can just draft more pick or take more picks to ensure they get the right guy. And I actually had two picks in a row, so I had the 23rd pick as well for the New England Patriots, and we decided to select linebacker Zach Bond, which this was one of the hardest picks, I think, of the draft. 
where I don't think anyone has any idea where the Patriots go. I think that they could go quarterback here. I've seen reports of them somehow trading up to get Tua, which I don't see. I don't think they have the draft capital. I don't know how they would do that, but maybe they pull it off. I don't know why anyone would give Bill Belichick Tua. I yeah. I think yeah. I'm sick of him dominating the league, but maybe there's a GM that's not. But we'll see. Um, but yeah, he. so I went with Zach Bond. I was between him and uh, Epinesa, who is you know huge. He's an interior guy. But I think that taking Bond, replacing Kyle Van Noy and Jamie Collins, who they lost, I think that makes the most sense for them here if they don't go quarterback or wherever they want honestly i they could go a lot of places here they have a they're still a good team they have a lot of needs that they could fill here so if i had the patriots at this position or this place in the draft uh i would have gone linebacker as well and probably one of those guys that you mentioned uh pun intended i'm i don't love jordan love uh just because i'm I didn't watch uh, any Utah State football this season, so I can't really have much of an opinion on how good or how bad he could be in the league. Um, so there's, for for me personally, uh, there's just way too much uncertainty to take to put that much uh, stock into uh, a first round pick at as him as the twenty third overall pick. So I I like linebacker there, especially losing Jamie Collins and Kyle Van Noy in free agency. So I like that. I choice. think you guys could do an entire podcast about who the Patriots are going to start at quarterback. Yeah, oh, each yeah. Week, on any <laughs> any given week. Brian, Brian Hoyer. Do they go Jarrett Stidham? <laughs> I don't know. If yeah. open up Madden, Madden, I doubt either of them have above a sixty overall. So uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's but, uh, I mean, I, I think that if if one of the quarterbacks does start to fall that's certainly a spot you can look for but we had the the top three guys at least according to most people um specifically with justin herbert after joe burrow and tua all go in the top six so i think it makes sense for the patriots to go on the defensive side of the ball there because like you mentioned they lost a ton of guys in free agency on defense so the 24th pick i had the new orleans saints Um, i had a player that i was willing to take but i felt safe moving back and uh, decided to entertain offers to see if i can amass some extra draft capital and i was uh, able to come to an agreement with the baltimore ravens so i acquired the 92nd pick in the third round and uh, i also had to or sorry, uh, yeah, I, I required the 92nd pick in the first round along with the you know the 28th pick. Had to give up 130 in exchange for 157, uh, but in the end, I, I felt like it was a, a solid trade um, for the Saints, uh, just moving back a few spots while also picking up a third rounder. Yeah, so I had the Ravens trading up uh, to the 24th spot, and with the 24th pick... Um, I had the Baltimore Ravens selecting Justin Jefferson, wide receiver at LSU. I've had, I think this is my third LSU pick uh, in this mock draft. And I actually think, uh, I don't want to say Justin Jefferson's the best receiver in the draft, but I think he's closer to that that top three group than people are giving credit for. Uh, he had an amazing season last year, and a lot of that credit goes to Burrow, but... Uh, 
over 100 catches, 1,500 yards, 18 touchdowns. And then he had that massive game versus Oklahoma uh, where he had 14, 227, and four touchdowns. Uh, pretty incredible numbers. And I think the Ravens, yeah, they were our number one seed last season and they had a great offense, but I think a lot of that had to do with Lamar Jackson's uh, rushing ability and uh, and Mark Ingram and Mark Andrews putting in the work as well. But receiver, yeah, Hollywood Hollywood Brown is really good, a really good deep threat, but after him it's kind of a drop-off. And I think Justin Jefferson can definitely help him help him more in that offense and spread the ball more. And he can play, he could be a deep threat or be in the slot as well. So I went, I felt like Justin Jefferson was just dropping a little bit too much there in our draft. So I decided to trade up and go get him for the Ravens. I'm interested to see what the Ravens do in real life when it comes to wide receiver, because they absolutely are going to draft someone high. I just, I'm not sure if it'll be in the first round, but I do think, you know, Baltimore was in a position to get Justin Jefferson. He seems like the kind of guy that uh, the Ravens would be willing to make a move up to get. Uh, There's certainly some defensive options that they could have gone with. I think that some guys were going a little higher though. So it makes sense that Baltimore would, would want to make that move just to go out and get the top receiver on the board and figure out the other positions later. I would have considered linebacker uh, for the Ravens, but the two guys that I was looking at for them were Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray, and they were both taken earlier than I expected. So I decided to go with receiver there. Who even is their number two receiver right now? Willie Sneed? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Is Miles it, is Boykins. I mean, with all the tight ends, they're basically their Lamar's uh, yeah, go-to Mark, options. Yeah, what Mark, are Andrews Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle. Yeah. So I think they traded the uh, hey, Hayden Hurst to uh, Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when oh, yeah. you've got Lamar Jackson, though, it's it's a different type of offense. You know, yeah. you don't necessarily have to have yeah. all yeah, these weapons. To... Sometimes guys are just wide open because the rest of the defense lost their ankles, and uh, you know, Lamar can just throw it to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, adding a guy like Jefferson could be pretty scary for that Baltimore offense. The first option is uh, you run with the running back. Second is Lamar <laughs> runs it. Third is Hollywood Brown. I mean, there's really not that much left. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So at 25, the Vikings on the clock again. Uh, already traded up to get their wide receiver to replace Stephon Diggs in Henry Ruggs. So now the the position of need is cornerback. Uh, in the offseason, the Vikings released Xavier Rhodes as a cap casualty. They also lost Trey Waynes in free agency to the Cincinnati Bengals. So the Vikings address that position here at number five by taking none other than Safan Diggs' brother, Trevon Diggs, defensive back out of Alabama. There were a few options I could have gone at this position, but ultimately I decided I love the idea of Stefan Diggs' brother going to Minnesota and <laughs> replacing him. So that was really what won out for me um, in this one. But uh, there, there's certainly a number of options, and I, I will be very surprised if Minnesota doesn't use one of their two first-round picks on a DB. Oh, I'm next. So I had the next pick with the Miami Dolphins. This was pick 26. And I decided to select Josh Jones, the tackle out of Houston. So this was another pick where I could have gone a few places, but I uh, I ironically decided to use the Texans' former pick to get Laramie Tunsil's replacement because their left tackle situation is horrible. I, I don't even know who it is right now, but he's not very good. And Josh Jones is a guy who a lot of teams have been saying would could bounce into guard. But he started 45 games in college 
for Houston at left tackle. So I, I think he can easily play there. He's a good player, and he'll protect uh, Tua, who we took earlier. Yeah, so he's widely considered the fifth best offensive lineman in this draft. Um, he certainly seems like a really solid value for Miami here at 26. I think he's someone that you could have gone with at 18, so being able to get him down here uh, makes it seem like a pretty solid solid first round for the Dolphins. If this was the Dolphins' actual draft, you can make a case that they could finish higher than the Patriots next season if they have Kyle Van Noy, Byron Jones, Xavier McKinney on their defense, and then Tua... Uh, leading them at QB and then ha- drafting uh, a left tackle or a right tackle uh, to help the Dolphins offensive line. Not to mention we still have a second and I believe two thirds after the trade. I think, I think only, one third. Yeah, only one, one third. Yeah, one second and one third. But okay, yeah. so a second and a third. So, but they can easily go wide receiver at one of those because that is a position of need. And then they pretty much have free reign. I mean, that defense they got some really good young players on that defense. Yeah, and in a deep receiver and running back class, I think yeah. waiting waiting until the second or third round to address those positions is smart for Miami. I, I, I agree, agree with Brian. I think there's reason to be optimistic about the Dolphins this year. I do too. I think Ruggs would be a great guy. He's a he would be the fans would love it, and he would be a great guy. But I think that this receiver draft is just too deep to take him when you can get yeah. I'm McKinney. It, it really is. Josh it really Jones. is like one of the best receiver drafts I've. I, it's one of the seen. best i this draft in general there are so many the fact that josh jones just went 26th and he's an immediate starting left tackle that's a really good one that that's this is a good draft. definitely fortunate given uh the times we're living in right now that we get to see a draft that is pretty loaded at a lot of positions that is true revive sports yes. for us i love that <laughs> <laughs> so at the 27th pick, uh, it belongs to the Seattle Seahawks. And and if I'm being completely honest, I think that the Seattle would probably try pretty hard to trade back at this point. Seattle has a lot of different positions of need. Uh, but when you have Russell Wilson, you always, ha- always have a chance at winning. So uh, I think there's a lot of directions they could go with this pick. Um, but for the purposes of this one round mock draft. Um, I went with an offensive lineman, Austin Jackson out of USC, Southern Cal. And um, I actually do doing some reading on some Seahawks forums. I saw him as like kind of the, well, he'll still be there. Uh, so it's like a safe pick at the end of the first round, somebody who will improve their O-line and has a lot of upside. Um, unfortunately, Josh Jones went one pick ahead of him. I think if he was still around, we would have taken him instead. But Austin Jackson, I think, is a solid value pick here late in the first round. Yeah, and you you did try to to make the trade. Um, I think there were a few teams who were in position where they they were looking to move back. They just weren't able to find a trade partner. Uh, but for Seattle, you know, getting getting a solid offensive lineman in Austin Jackson is, is certainly at the very least a pretty good consolation. So at number 28, after moving back, is the New Orleans Saints. Uh, I was ready to take this guy at 24. The Ravens were willing to give me some compensation to uh, move back, and uh, I, I had a feeling he would still be here. I was right. Very excited to make this choice, and that is Jordan Love, quarterback, Utah State. Make no mistake, the New Orleans Saints are in win-now mode. There certainly is a reason for them to maybe take a defensive player who can come in and uh, have an immediate impact, a guy like Patrick Queen or Kenneth Murray. Both of them are off the board. Jordan Love was sitting there. This is probably Drew Brees' final season, 
So New Orleans is in a position right now where they need to start thinking about the future finally at the quarterback position. Jordan Love is a the ultimate boomer bust quarterback prospect. He has such a high potential. Some of the amazing things he can do reminds you of Patrick Mahomes, but he's prone to making some really bad mistakes. I think having a year or maybe two to learn under Drew Brees and kind of ease his way into the National Football League will be very beneficial for Jordan Love. And I, I think, you know, going to New Orleans is just a really great situation for him. Being with Sean Payton, we saw how good they were this past season with Teddy Bridgewater as quarterback. I think that Jordan Love is all the reason in the world uh, to be able to succeed at a high level in New Orleans. So I had the 29th pick for the Tennessee Titans. And here I felt that I could have gone a couple ways. Cornerback was. Definitely on my board, but Diggs, Fulton, and Henderson, and of, of course, um, Akuda, but uh, were, on the, were the ones that I wanted, and they weren't there, and I didn't really think anyone else was worth a first-round pick. To me, I, I'm not a big fan of the rest of those receivers. So I went with AJ Epinesa out of, what is he, out of Iowa? Iowa, Iowa. yeah. Out of Iowa, and uh, I, I liked him a lot. He's a big guy, I believe. He's, uh, what do we got, 6'5", 280, 10 and a half sacks in 2018, then he went up to 11 and a half in 2019. Um, the big thing with him is they just lost Jarrell Casey, or I think they traded Jarrell Casey yep. to the Broncos, just as I think that was just a cap dump. So he will replace Jarrell Casey, who's been, you know, one of their best defenders for years now. He's maybe probably the best defender. I think he's been their best defensive player for a few years now. So that's a guy that they want to replace, and Epinesa is a bigger guy. He's more of a 3-4 end, and this is he'll play 3-4 end on the Titans. I think that's a really good fit. So uh, at, at the 30th pick, I, I was drafting for the Green Bay Packers. I thought about taking a receiver here, but I felt like I could maybe entertain uh, moving back out of the first round and into the second round. And uh, I was able to find a pretty solid trade partner in the Colts who have the 34th pick, the second pick of the second round. So I moved back four slots while picking up a fourth and a sixth from Indy. Uh, So the Colts instead are on the clock here at 30. So the Colts here traded up to select Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver out of Arizona State. And the reason I traded up is because, as he just said, I thought the Packers would probably try to take a receiver, so I tried to take them out of the equation. And I thought the 49ers would take a receiver. So I wanted my top on the board were Brandon Ayuk and Denzel Mims, and I wanted to make sure I got one of them because the Colts wide receiving core, they have T.Y. Hilton, who was banged up. He had a lot of trouble this year. And... Uh, Pascal, Pas- yeah, Zach, pa- Pascal. Pa- Zach yeah, Pascal, Pascal. Yeah, I believe he was a second round pick last year. He was he shined at times, but I think that adding a guy like Brandon Ayuk, who is just one of the best playmakers in this draft, I mean, he can turn a screen that looks like a loss of five into a touchdown. He's just just a really really good playmaker. He was a great return man who. I'm not sure if he would play returner for the Colts because I know Naheem Hines had a really, really good season at returner for them, but maybe he does fill that role at some point. 
but I thought that trading up, I thought it was worth trading up to avoid missing both Ayuk and Denzel Mims because I think wide receiver is a big position in need for the Colts. Yeah, I mean, that, that was definitely the position I would have gone with the Packers. And uh, if, if I had made a choice there, I would have probably gone with um, LaVisca Chenault out of Colorado, actually. I know that he has some injury concerns, but reports coming in today saying that his doctor has cleared him as of April 29th or April 25th. He should be up to 100%. So that's the, the end of the draft. Plenty of time before the season starts, whenever that actually is. Um, so the Green Bay felt comfortable just waiting an extra you know, 20 hours or so for the start of the second round to select him. All right. I had the next pick, which was the 31st pick to the 49ers. And uh, sticking on the defensive side of the ball here, uh, going with A.J. Terrell, defensive back out of Clemson. Now, again, this is one pick that could go a number of ways. I think if the 49ers um, don't have their guy here, whoever the front office is, you know, decides is their guy, whether that's a wide receiver, a defensive back, uh, maybe an offensive lineman, um, that they strongly try to use this pick to get more picks because – after this, the 49ers don't pick again until the fifth round, and that's really tough. So I I, I feel like the 49ers are going to really try their best to, to get some value out of this pick um, that they can use immediately. But um, outside of that, I think that A.J. Terrell is a athlete who would fit well into this um, 49ers defense as more of like a project for the future. Richard Sherman is not going to be dominant forever i mean he's pretty old he could drop off at any moment and i think the 49ers want to have a big physical wide receiver that they can slot in um, and continue that dominance the 49ers are winning games from the defensive side of the ball and um, aj terrell could help with some longevity i noticed you selected aj terrell and kinlaw do you believe that there will be uh, problems of bad blood right away given uh, clemson versus well, south carolina I don't. I hope that they can unite over there, uh, both playing for the 49ers. But honestly, with one of the toughest rivalries in the entire uh, the entirety of college football, I wouldn't put it past these guys to you know some butt heads um, at times. But you know, hopefully, since they play on the same side of the ball, they can just unite and uh, you know show that South Carolina is truly one of the greatest uh, football states uh, and show up, uh, you know, for their team united. I'm sure they'll. Uh, I'm sure they'll get past their differences. They're actually yeah. not the only like 49er, um, Clemson. Or sorry, yeah, 49ers, Gamecocks, Clemson, uh, like draft duos because um, Bruce Ellington and Brandon Thomas were also drafted at the same time. Neither one of them contributed very much for the 49ers, but um, teammates nonetheless, and they seem to get along just fine. I was very surprised that you didn't move out of this pick. Just like you said, not having another choice till the fifth round. Um, is that something that you would want the 49ers to do, especially given that there is still a hole at the wide receiver position with Emmanuel Sanders leaving in free agency? I think so. Um, I, I think if, like, looking back on this, I'm like, eh, this is probably not the right move. I think at this point, if you get Kinlaw early and you don't have any, like, really attractive um, wide receivers or defensive backs, like even A.J. Terrell, I think you could argue a little bit of a reach here. They definitely could use a little bit more draft capital. Um, and I expect them to try to uh, leverage at least one of these first-round picks into more, uh, but... I wasn't able to land the same deal, and uh, so A.J. Terrell it is. 
And with the last pick in the first round, uh, I had the Chiefs taking Jeff Gladney, cornerback at a TCU. And with the reasoning for this pick, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, they don't really have too many holes on their team being Super Bowl champions. Uh, but uh, I went defense for this pick, definitely because off- their offense is much stronger. And then when I look at the defensive side of the ball for the Chiefs, I think cornerback is their weakest position. And they also they lost Kendall Fuller to free agency. Uh, to I think it was the Redskins. And this season, uh, Bashad Breland and Traverius Ward are going to be free agents after this upcoming season, if there is one. And I think they got to go corner at this spot. And after Tyron Matthew, it's a pretty big drop-off in their secondary. Uh, so I went with Jeff Gladney at 32 for the last pick. Yeah, I, I think that cornerback made a lot of sense here for the Chiefs. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if... The, they were to trade back at this spot here, but uh, if they do make a selection, I would think that defensive back makes makes the most sense, and a, a guy like Josh Gladney certainly uh, fits the bill. It's interesting. I've seen, uh, I believe it was Kuiper said there's he has two first round draft grades on corners, and I think we had what six go. Was it really that? Yeah, but Mel Kuyper's wrong all the time. That, yeah, that's like I know. The one I know. Thing I know. I, like going into this, I'm like, oh man, there's so much more potential to look foolish than to look smart in this situation. Yeah, there really is. I've seen so many yeah. analysts who get paid so much money to just be blatantly wrong. Yeah. Uh, so now we can join them, mm-hmm. except we're not getting paid millions. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're yep. <laughs> we're just putting in our time to do it for free. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm definitely excited to see how we do compared to the actual draft. Obviously, having it's gonna yeah. be a little more complicated. I would be shocked if we um, get a single trade head on. I would actually be like, we should yeah. just write a book or something. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I hope it's six corners instead of two. Uh considering that I took half of the corners in the first <laughs> round. And yeah. <laughs> ju- it just made me look there smarter. Were six than corners? Or there were six, six? Yeah. yeah. So I think oh, the yeah, two that one. everyone expected Henderson, were um, you know, Okuda and CJ yeah. Henderson, but I figured Diggs and Fulton would go. I would have been surprised if they both fell to the second round in our mock, at least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was reading some uh, article that just based on who they gave first round grades to. I forget who it was. We only gave out 21 first round grades. There's obviously 32 oh, okay. picks. So that means that 11 teams are drafting a guy who's not a first round pick according to their uh, metrics. Well, so When um, it comes down to it, it I mean say a guy like Trevon Diggs, you you have to take, you can't pass on him just because he doesn't have a first round grade because, you oh, know, yeah. you. what's the drop off? Mm-hmm. So, uh, all right. So now that we've gone through this exercise, uh, what are our thoughts in terms of, you know, some things that went well, some things that didn't just based on our uh, individual selections that we made? So Cam, as our guest, why don't you kind of lead us off drafting there. is a lot of pressure one i i think i made a big mistake with the dolphins i think that Tua, especially i i don't think taking trading up for Tua. i think they should not trade up because because i think sitting at five if you go herbert i think you can get Tua at five and i think you can get herbert and i just i don't see that they have their guy because i've heard them talk i've heard talks to them working with Tua and I've heard talks of them working with Herbert and it seems it seems they're okay either way 
So I think that I should not have traded up, but we didn't give up a ton. I, if I gave up a first round pick, I'd be, I'd feel dumb, but I, I didn't, we didn't give up a ton, but that was my biggest regret. I mean, the reasoning for trading up to three, if you're the Dolphins is if you're worried that the Chargers are going to trade up at three and they take the guy that the Dolphins want, but the Dolphins like both of them, they're fine with either one Tua or, or Herbert, then they might as well just stay at five then, because uh, I don't. I highly, highly doubt that both those guys will be gone by then. If one of them is even yeah, gone by then, I agree. I've heard talks of the. I think it was the Raiders maybe trading up with to get to try and get Herbert, but I just don't really see that. I don't see that actually happening. I think that's just rumors. I think I think that all the talk is just so the Lions could drive up the price uh, for either the Dolphins or the Chargers, if either of them really overpay. But I, this is just a guess, educated guess, but I think they'll stay at three and take Okuda. Oh, I think they're crazy if they, I think they're crazy if they stay at three because you, you get, I think you get Akuda at six. I know in ours, he was gone, but I don't see the Giants actually taking Jeff Akuda there. And so you're basically getting free picks. Yeah, I absolutely think the Lions should move back to three. Uh, move out of three. Uh, I I was pretty satisfied with the return. I don't think that they necessarily need to get a first round pick to go back two spots. But if the uh, the asking price is really there, you know, a team like Miami, the Chargers, or even a wild card like Jacksonville, Las Vegas, the Patriots are willing to to really mortgage their future to move up. Maybe it'll cost uh, more than that. So I mean, the Lions. Yeah, if let's say they go from three to six, I mean. They could get Okuda or Simmons. Uh, I mean, do you think they'll be fine with either? I would have been. Well, yeah. of course they'll be fine with Okuda. But <laughs> I think they, yeah, I, I think they would. I know. I'm sure they want Okuda after, especially with Slay gone. I think they would get Okuda. I think Isaiah Simmons is just a freak athlete. I think that's where the Giants would go. But we'll see for sure. So. Ben, what are your thoughts on uh, how this draft process went overall? I know you talked about the 49ers a bit, but what about some of your other teams? Well, um, I mean, it's hard to, it's like kind of a boring take, but I think the best pick is the Chase Young pick. Like, I I think that he's going to be a really generational player. And I think the Redskins are lucky that they are the number two in this draft class to be able to just have an easy answer there i would be really surprised if they go in another direction um unless somebody gives up just their entire future uh in exchange which i i don't i don't know who would do that or or why i mean i like we did already talk about the uh the 49ers but i'm really stoked on the javon kinlaw uh pick but i think i didn't adjust my strategy enough after having made that pick because i think after that the 49ers either definitely trade back or take a wide receiver late in the first. Um, so I, I think that was probably my biggest miss was AJ Terrell at 31. But I, another, I think a pretty good move was the Cardinals trading back and still being able to get a uh, starter quality offensive lineman at 14, as well as hauling in some additional picks. So um, I think that that was a really good move. Um, 
and probably, you know, it, it paid off because it had the potential to really blow up in my face. And I think it, the Cardinals came out on top in that situation. Yeah, I, I agree. As someone on the receiving end, I, I will acknowledge that I think that the, the Cardinals made a really fantastic deal and arguably the, the best of the first round, given uh, the guy that they were still able to get and what they got back to trade back. So, Brian, obviously you're pretty happy about your Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert picks. What about the rest of your draft? Um, For Becton, I think I think he's great, but he also is, if this comes true, he's with the Browns. Uh, I don't know how much confidence I have in, in that going well, and especially if he's not a motivated football player and he likes food more than football. <laughs> so I, I guess that's <laughs> the one... Uh, the one downside to having uh, the Browns draft him. but I think that, that the coaching staff could really use that to motivate him, do more of like a carrot yeah. and a stick <laughs> approach, you know, except <laughs> in this case, he gets, instead of eating the carrot, they give it to him so that he can use it in a recipe. You know? <laughs> That's what will motivate him to try that much harder on the field. <laughs> uh, and then for the Raiders, I think I addressed their biggest needs. Uh, I got Lamb for at 12. And then, uh, I mentioned this earlier. I probably didn't need to trade up uh, at the time, but Corey, you did have the Falcons, and you said that you wanted Henderson. And I figured, all right, if you couldn't get Henderson, you might you were gonna just take the backup plan at the same position. So I felt like I needed to trade it up at the time, but maybe I didn't. But either way, I I think I addressed the needs for Oakland, um, Vegas, and Denver, and then for the Ravens. Yeah, they probably need help more at linebacker but uh, I saw Justin Jefferson just keep dropping into the draft uh, and I felt like I needed to make a trade trade up for the Ravens to get a good pretty good receiver and and then yeah the Chiefs got a cornerback uh, I, I think I was the most, eh, not I think, I was the most active uh, on the move person in this draft. I was involved in all six first round trades. Uh, so of my eight selections, six were traded. And one of the two that wasn't was a Vikings pick where I already traded their first one. Um, so for me, I, I felt pretty good about most of the trades. Uh, I think the the bigger regret is what I didn't do or what I wasn't able to do with the Falcons. Uh, really wish that I I could have, you know, looked more closely at maybe moving up to number nine for Henderson. That felt like a reach, but uh, given that uh, right after them, Cleveland, the Jets, Arizona were pretty heart set on taking an offensive tackle. Didn't want to move back out of position to get them. And then the Raiders and the 49ers also being pretty uh, content with taking CeeDee Lamb and Javon Kinlaw. It left me uh, in a position where I was unable to get Henderson because Denver took him right before me. And then trading back and you know, instead of just taking Kayla Von Chasen, um, who is my, my number two choice there for Atlanta, also kind of hurt me where I felt like I had a bit of a reach on Patrick Queen at 19. Um, outside of that, I was really happy to be able to get Henry Ruggs to Minnesota. I think that's a better trade than um, what I potentially did with Odell Beckham. So thank you, Brian, for not, uh, you know, for driving the price up so high on him. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, and then I I really love the uh, the Jordan Love 
you know, no pun intended there, uh, pick to the Saints. I think that New Orleans is in a position where they, they finally need to address that, you know, quarterback of the future position. And while I haven't seen him actually going there um, in mock drafts, I, I don't know if it'll really happen. Uh, I really think that there is a lot of value to them because ultimately I don't think Taysom Hill is the future at the quarterback that, position. That was my next question. If you If you think Taysom Hill can be like, Lamar Jackson in a way where he's got that mobility at the QB position if he can be anything like that um, at all or you think he's just a gimmick player and yeah just he's, he's just a gimmick the, guy the role he, that he, has. he can do a lot of things decently well but he's not particularly amazing at anything especially quarterback is really the way I look at him he's gonna use that quote to excel himself <laughs> yeah. the future MVP I hope so <laughs> I hope yeah. Taysom Hill listens to this podcast and is able to use Wh- them that. What is Drew Brees' contract situation? Um, so they, the Saints signed Drew Brees to a two-year deal, and Taysom Hill, they gave a restricted free agent qualifying offer. I don't know that he's been extended beyond that. So they're both under contract for this year, and there's a very okay. good chance that Brees retires this year anyway considering he almost retired this offseason. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, lastly, before we wrap things up, so Cam, uh, you know, as a Texans fan, me as a Steelers fan, we were unable to make a choice for our team, We and we didn't do what was needed to move up into the first round. So with the Texans picking at 40, uh, is there a particular position or maybe even a player that you would love Houston to go with at that spot? Oh, boy. Um they could really use a pass rusher. They could really use a corner. I think that if he's there, I would like them to get Epinesa, which I have seen him fall there. Um, other than that, I, I don't really know exactly. I don't. If they get a corner, I can't imagine they're much better than Lonnie Johnson. I think it's just going to be a disappointment again, naturally. But yeah, maybe a, probably a pass rusher because they lost Clowney obviously JJ Watts on the older side I don't know how much longer he has getting someone else that can learn under Watt for a little bit and work with Watt because yeah they really don't have much there they have a lot of needs though I'm still floored that we have arguably one of the best receiving receiver classes in a long time and Bill Bryan decides hey let's let's trade DeAndre Hopkins and get basically nothing or not that much in return and then let's and the, let's and then tra- let's trade for brandon for cooks in his massive over, overpaid contract i it, i don't know what bill o'brien's doing yeah i mean it makes no sense to me like why we're not immediately saying after trading hopkins for the 40th pick that they should go receiver at 40 because he decided to trade for brandon cooks um but i <laughs> If they take a wide receiver, I'm going to be so upset. <laughs> I I don't know where they should go. I personally think that they should just take a few seasons off, really regroup. Like, just think about what they're doing. Kind of like a when you're a little kid and you do something like, like, why did you just do that? And you get put in timeout. That's what should happen to <laughs> just the team. But that obviously can't happen. And honestly, with how bad the Jaguars are and... Who's the, uh, the Colts are pretty good and the Titans are good. Okay, but how bad the Jaguars are and like just in general, I, I think the Titans aren't that bad. They 
they could genuinely make a playoff push, which is kind of ridiculous. But I, I think they do have playoff chances. But personally, I kind of if I would trade an 0-16 season to get rid of Bill O'Brien, I yeah. I was I can't even express to you how upset I was when I found out about that DeAndre Hopkins trade. Yeah, I mean the the Texans are definitely still in a solid position, but uh, it it is very frustrating knowing kind of oh. where their ceiling is right now. Yeah. And they have their future is so it looks so poor because obviously they have they have uh, Deshaun Watson, which is a you know obvi- that's like one of the best quarterbacks in the league to me. I I wouldn't get rid of him for anybody. I wouldn't even exchange him for Mahomes. I love Watson. Obviously Mahomes is re- like better, but I love Deshaun Watson. But they have so many cap issues. They have no draft picks. They don't have a first next year. I don't even think they have a second next year. It's horrible the position they put themselves in. They have to pay Tunsil. They have to pay Watson a ton of money. They're screwed. It is a really tough team to be a fan of right now. There's no future. I feel so bad for Deshaun Watson. It's so so bad. I feel so bad. It's like, what what is happening? It's, yeah, I I don't even want to talk about it. That's it. Move on. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So for the Steelers, um, just based on their moves in free agency, they don't have a real glaring hole at you know a starting position so they're basically drafting for depth uh, which i is a big reason why i don't see any way that they would even attempt to move into the first round Um, so 49 to me is going to be their first choice under almost any scenario Um, even moving up in earlier in the second round seems unrealistic given they only have six draft picks. Uh, but to me, there are four position groups that I would like to see them address in the second and then in the late third with their um, compensatory pick from losing Le'Veon Bell. Uh, so those are skill position with running back or wide receiver. Um, I, I think that there's there's a, a reason to add to both of those rooms, uh, especially, you know, last year we could see kind of how bad things got for that team when James Conner and Juju Smith-Schuster were injured, uh, just being able to add more depth and guys that are young and, you know, hopefully more reliable guys who can stay on the field and make an impact, especially with Ben Roethlisberger returning healthy this year. Uh, and then offensive line, particularly interior, maybe uh, Marquise Pouncey, heir to the uh the franchise center position or on the opposite side uh pass rusher uh someone who could potentially fill in for Bud Dupree if he leaves in free agency next year or at least give them some depth and I will say now that I have zero interest in the Steelers drafting a quarterback especially with either of their second or third round picks I'm very much content with what Pittsburgh has with Ben Roethlisberger and Mason Rudolph I don't think that adding Jake Fromm or Jalen Hurts puts them in any better position to win in 2020 than what they currently have so you think Mason Rudolph can be a future QB in the I'm NFL after, not saying after that at all I don't know I won't rule it out I think he can be a solid backup and I think that he showed some positive signs in the Jets game last year before getting injured and he, he can make the claim that if he doesn't get hurt against the Jets the Steelers win that game and they make the playoffs and people have much different thoughts on Mason Rudolph than uh, what they did but are you also low on this QB draft class besides those well top yeah obvious I mean, top guys? ultimately the Steelers took Ben Rossberger with the 11th overall pick, and I would like them to draft a quarterback of the future with a similar pick. I don't want them to rely on a second or third round guy to be their quarterback of the future. To me, that's a guy who maybe can do it, uh, but I would much rather have more of a sure thing 
Um, you know, there's a reason those guys aren't first round picks. I mean, the Patriots also desperately need a quarterback, and I don't really like anyone outside of Burrow. Um, so I'd rather, even though Jared Stidham and Brian Hoyer uh, as a QB uh, depth chart for the Patriots this upcoming season is not ideal, I'd still rather just find the next guy next year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's a reasonable thought just to see what you have in Jared Stidham this year. Um, I I don't really think that taking a quarterback at 23 outside of, you know, one of those big three or maybe four guys makes a whole lot of sense. So from there is really adding a third round pick really better than just signing Cam Newton or even Jameis Winston. So when the, when the Patriots drafted Garoppolo uh, several years back, I was actually a fan of the pick and it's not because I watched any Eastern Illinois football, but that gave more urgency to, for Brady to perform better because he was slightly performing uh, at a uh, not as high of a level as uh, expected and there was definitely a drop off for Brady uh, in his mid to late 30s so Belichick decides to draft Garoppolo and that gives uh, more motivation for Brady to perform well and he ended up winning a few more Super Bowls and I think that that pick paid off well from even though Garoppolo didn't do much for the Patriots. Well, and they eventually got uh, the second but, round pick back. Yeah, it was a terrible trade for the Patriots when they uh, when they traded Garoppolo eventually to the Niners. But I was still a fan of the pick when they made well, it. I think the Patriots have always had a sweet spot for the 49ers. They, the Patriots actually traded their um, – or the 49ers drafted Jerry Rice with a pick that they got from the New England Patriots. So – I'm sure the Patriots did that on purpose. More, just yeah, just more greats. You know? <laughs> we'll take them. They just didn't want him. Um, yeah, I actually, in terms of the Steelers, I, I know you said you wouldn't want to see them trade up. I, what pick did you say they have? In the second Forty-nine. Round? Forty-nine. So I don't see them trading to the first round. But if they can get Jonathan Taylor, uh, running back for Wisconsin, he finished his career as like he was like the first player ever to rush for six thousand yards or something. He was like one of the best running backs ever. Running back, number six all time. Yeah, he's one of the best ever. He and he might be a second round guy they can get. That would be an unbelievable pick if the Steelers can get Jonathan Taylor. He is so good. um, One of the risks with Taylor though is that all of the carries he's already amassed based on his college career, um, having that come into. His yeah, NFL career, yeah. I've never really thought about that before until um, one of the, the Steelers.com writers, Bob Labriola, always references that as a reason to not draft him. Personally, if the Steelers take a running back in the second round, I would love J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State. He's the guy that I would really like to see. Um, but I, I running back wide receiver, if they take that in the second round, I'll be fine. I really just hope they take the best available. They don't reach on a guy uh, because they have a few different spots they could go. They really love reaching on guys, but uh, Jonathan, yeah, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, and then um, the other one is Swift. DeAndre, DeAndre Swift, Swift, yeah. DeAndre Swift. Yeah, they're all, all three would be really good fits. They would all be yeah. instant stars. Yeah, and I don't know I mean, who will Con- still be there on 49, which is why it's hard to, to pick one of yeah. these guys. It's possible for, uh, you know, any of them to even go in the late first, so. Yeah, the wear and tear, though, I mean, that's, that's not ideal, but. At the same time, he would probably be coming in and splitting carries mm-hmm. with James Conner. So that could, that would benefit both of them because obviously James Conner 
he has he has very a, fragile yeah very fragile um i didn't know how to put that yeah he has a tough history with injuries yep. and staying healthy so it wouldn't be a bad combo to have them be a one-two punch which there are very few teams that don't use a one-two mm-hmm. punch so. oh no i agree i i would not hate them adding taylor i'm just like i i don't know that um i'm jumping on him compared to some of the other guys like to trade yeah. up for someone that's yeah so. that is true trading up might be a bit of a reach especially i knew i have never heard anyone mention the wear and tear but that yeah. is a good point <laughs> Six thousand yards he's got to have he's got to have a lot of what 1200 carries i would guess you at least must yep something like that something absurd yeah and you have jalen samuels as well um, yeah so i mean he's he's yeah, the odd man out benny know. snell he's, he's ben, the, ben's a benny madden snell. hero yeah. he's samuels was pretty good in the wildcat no <laughs> Wasn't he? Wasn't that yeah, the thing? He they wasn't the good. At that him. was their thing in like week three in this past yeah, season. I, I remember. I remember facing the Bengals. Yeah, they yeah. they ran the yeah. wildcat like thirteen times in a row. Yeah, I remember them and, running the wildcat. With well, he he threw a pick running the wildcat. Oh, <laughs> in, in week five nice. against Baltimore on like the fifteen yard line. So that was that nice. was bad. Yeah. All right, well, that will wrap things up for our uh, He's Done It 2020 NFL Mock Draft special. We'll be back to talk about the actual draft after it happens, uh, You know, give our, our recaps and reactions to what actually goes down, as well as a bunch of other stuff. So for Benjamin Carlson, Brian Wells, and our special guest host, Cam Novotny, I'm Corey Novotny. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>